0: Welcome to the Transparent Singers' new podcast called Operation Opera. I am Rachel Payne, and shortly, Elisa Peterson, my co-host, will be joining us. We started this because we thought opera is really cool, and we think maybe more people would think it was cool if they knew about it. And so we're going to talk about all kinds of things relating to opera and what's going on with it in the world today. And yeah it's gonna be fun, so our first podcast today is going to be on Florence Foster Jenkins the movie that recently came out. at least I both saw it this weekend, and we had a lot of thoughts. so we're gonna share them and let us know what you think. Also, we live in different states, so this is a phone call. Thanks, <laughs> yeah. I'm actually really glad that I went on my birthday to go see it because um, it was it was kind of therapeutic in a way I feel like I don't know um, I, it wasn't therapeutic in the sense that like I because I, 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 you had said this and a few other people had said this that you know f- the, the, the film made them cry like a lot of people were really you know really moved by it which is great you know and I I suppose I was too, but I felt, I don't know, I felt kind of excited as I watched it and I was laughing hysterically so many times. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Did, did you, what was, what was your experience? Like, what did you think about it?
1: Well, I had a lot of deep thoughts about it. I'm not going to lie. I like to have those deep thoughts. You know me, Hmm. but, uh, you know, I never knew that she had syphilis. Yeah. Um, that's something that that I never knew until I watched the movie. And I was introduced to her probably 10 years ago or more, maybe like 11 years ago. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> when I was in graduate school, some people were sitting around listening to her Queen of the Night and laughing. And I was like, what is the point of this activity? <laughs> like, why is this a cool thing to do? Like, Amazing. Someone, Amazing. you know, someone recorded themselves singing the Queen of the Night and obviously doesn't have the, the vocal skills to sing the aria. And we were listening to it laughing at her. I was just like, "Mm, whatever. And I knew that her name was Florence Foster Jenkins, but I didn't really look into it any further because I was like, well, what's that going to get me, like, researching this person? So I learned a lot from the movie, um, first and foremost, that she had syphilis. And I was thinking about sort of this this idea of if you knew you only had a month to live or, you know, like, what would you do? Yeah. How how would you live your life differently if you knew that you – had a terminal illness that you could die at any time basically. And that's
0: how she lived for what what did she say? Like fifty years. But my favorite like in that moment, they're like, oh you know, the usual mercury arsenic Arsenics, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, poison. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know, geez. that was perfect. Oh man. <laughs> you know, and then I went in for a good bleeding, you know? Gosh. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Oh, but maybe
1: those crazy. things are actually better than syphilis. I don't know.
0: I mean, I don't know, but I do love this idea. Like, sort of what you're getting at is this: you know, what, how would you live your life if you knew that it was, you know, eminently going to end, or imminently? Sorry, um, but also.
1: And in her case, eminently as well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: yeah. Just thinking about also how the music kept her alive, right? Like that was sort of, yeah. you know, one of the sort of undertones I felt <sighs>
1: Sorry.
0: that, no, no, no worries. I, I love that idea that, and, and you hear all these cheesy sort of quotes, you know, it gives music, gives wings to the soul, you know, and in, in her case, actually it gave her literal wings. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah. And I wonder how much of her lack of knowledge about her, gifts or or not gifts was simply because she was a little bit off from taking that medication or taking that poison like like how much did she not recognize simply because she was really just kind of not with it yeah and what a happy person for someone who's not with it right like
1: right yeah Well, yeah, I thought about that too. That's why that was the first thing I brought up is that it's a completely different spin on Florence Foster Jenkins when you find out that she had syphilis, which we know causes insanity. Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, because before I was like, you know, it's a really rich person with an ego. um, You know, these people exist today as well. Um, People who want performing opportunities and can buy them for themselves without without earning them with training and, and all the hard work that goes into usually landing a gig. You know, they just set it all up. And uh, and I thought, you know, this is vanity or, you know, I mean, we joke about people being crazy, but she honestly probably was a little crazy. Oh, yes. Syphilis, mercury, arsenic, you know.
0: I mean, you don't decide, you know, to be lowered into, you know, onto a stage wearing... You know, like crazy costumes. I mean, well, I guess you could. You could if you ran your own theater. You can do whatever you want. It's like I mean, look at you. I mean, there's all kinds of rock stars that do all kinds of crazy things on stage. But um, but also, um, the decision that she made to do that often, and this is not something that was talked about or really shown in the film, was how much she did that in public. Like, she would wear the craziest outfits out. And just like, she, yeah, she was constantly making a statement that was like, a terrible statement, and she didn't care as long as she was in the papers. Like that seemed to be hmm. sort of that was that was not something like this. This was definitely a much sort of softer version of her, I would say, than yeah. than some of the severity that she really sort of had. At least from what I understand, in 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 her actual history.
1: Yeah, I wonder why that that um, detail was omitted from the movie. Actually, because that that makes it very different. Because she comes across actually as quite level-headed, which is why, and maybe it's more interesting that way, actually, because if she if she's just crazy and you know she's crazy from the beginning, then you sort of write her off as someone who's crazy and you don't have to worry about her humanity as much anymore.
0: You I, know what I mean? Absolutely. I completely agree because th- the thing is, if she's crazy, you know, and this is just from an acting standpoint, if she's crazy and you play crazy, then you play um, a result, Right, you play yeah. a you know a conclusion, anyways. yeah, mm-hmm. and and I'm sorry, Meryl Streep is not going to do that. True. <laughs> you know that's like that's it's just not as an actor, she just she doesn't do that. It's not that's not an interesting choice.
1: Yeah, well, and they didn't reveal that she had syphilis until a good bit into the movie too. Yeah, and so it kind of left you to wonder, like, what is going on in, inside of this person's head? You know, um, why would she? Why would she do this? I mean, obviously, when they were when they were giving the concerts for her friends, that was kind of a different thing, you know. And her friends were very sweet and maybe not as discerning, but maybe just wanted to be supportive of her.
0: Oh, and that's great. Yeah. yeah. Well, but I I loved how they actually played that off a little bit with some of those old women that were like, "I'm sorry, can you repeat that? I I couldn't quite hear you." <laughs> and it's like, well, yes, if you're deaf, she's amazing, you know. Right. <laughs> like, yeah that's true yeah I am um, yeah I don't know I've thought about this because I was introduced to Florence Foster Jenkins when I was probably I don't know freshman or sophomore in college you know at some point when you've been in school long enough to realize that maybe you're not as great as you thought you were coming from the high school where you're the only one that did what you do you know and then uh-huh. you're there with a bunch of other people and they're like well you know what you can't be as bad as this lady, so listen to this. <laughs> and then you listen to it, and you're like, brrr. All <laughs> like, oh, ego boost. Yeah, how is how is it possible? Well, and, and what's interesting is that as I listen to it, and I've always sort of felt this way about her recordings, it isn't just that it's bad. It's how she chooses to accent things. <laughs> like, it's the random, like... Oh like, You yeah. know there's like these bizarre howls and these moments where like yips. Yeah, yips exactly. It's it, you know it's like yeah. we're a Pomeranian, we're a you know whatever and it's just it's interesting to me how how one who has studied as she studied and who has listened as she listened would make those choices even if she had no sense of rhythm or sense of pitch that doesn't necessarily mean you wouldn't know phrasing do you know what I mean
1: yeah well I mean I think she was definitely playful about it and there were times when she was supposed to hit a high note that she knew she just wasn't gonna hit and so she would just sort of do a little yeah like a little yip kind of a yeah yeah kind of a different noise you know and 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 I think it was playful you know and she wasn't worried about it actually
0: exactly and I think that's why I love her and that's why I feel like I don't feel bad when I laugh when I listen to her sing (laughs) and I think the reason why I don't feel bad when I listen to her sing is because I actually truly enjoy it like it's not like when I'm listening to to a you know, a, a, a teeny bopper or whatever, I don't even know what a, a correct term would be, but somebody who, you know, is is fine in their craft, but maybe, you know, is not a really great musician and somebody whose voice I just, I can't really support, if that makes sense. Like, I'll listen to someone and it's like, no, I'm sorry, that person cannot sing. Or that person is like, yeah, they're fine, but that, uh, it, it. I think it's because she absolutely is not self-conscious. Yeah. And in that way, she reminds me a lot of Edith Piaf, who oh, I love. Uh-huh. Because there's this unabashed, here it is, this is what I've got, and do with it what you will. And I mean, obviously, they're very different people with very different backgrounds, but you know, sort of in the world at a, at a similar time, and... I think it was actually a really interesting idea to take Florence's life at the very end, her last year, nineteen forty four. I liked that there weren't any flashbacks. I liked that it was just like, no, we're gonna we're just gonna focus on this year of her life.
1: Hello.
0: Because what it sort of showed to me was in the large sort of scheme of things, Florence Foster Jenkins has touched more hearts and like made more people laugh and feel like a sense of vitality, especially at that time. Like this was the end of the war. This was you know, when, when they showed that scene in Carnegie Hall with all of these sailors and all of these, you know, servicemen hooting and hollering and it's like, but for a few hours they were they were not servicemen, even though they were in uniform. Uh And I I think about what that may have meant at that time for Americans. I don't know, like maybe this was, she was meant to be on this earth at this time. And maybe that was a huge part of her purpose was to Uh bring a lightness to the world after, you know, such darkness.
1: Absolutely. I, I would agree with that. And I think that is kind of a more, Holistic way of looking at it. I'm not sure if she necessarily grasped the entirety, uh, like the entire, the big picture, like you just described. But and I say that because the the two um, the two military guys who um, found her when they were having brunch or whatever the next day. I think that's what it was. Yeah, in the when, film, yeah,
0: when they showed yeah. the film, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. When uh, Saint Clair was had had. Tried to buy all of the New York Posts, and so that she wouldn't see that review. Right. And she ran into them, and they said, "You have such great comic oh timing. timing." Yeah. And that wasn't the compliment she was expecting to oh, receive. Oh,
0: oh, yeah. Of course not. Of course not. Right. <laughs> and and this idea that, um, you know, that 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 would be what they said is like completely appalling to her, or just you know, yeah, completely shocking, and and whatever. But I I think. Yeah, I th- I think um I guess that's that's sort of what I how I feel though about about all of these kinds of situations that we get ourselves into as performers. Like what is it on a micro scale and what is it on a macro scale? Like uh, you know, what is what is this in the great scheme of the life which I've been given? And right. and I just I I think um I don't know, like when in the end, I really liked. I, I, okay, so I liked one part of it, and then I. And there was another part that I really didn't like. I liked <laughs> that they showed her as I imagine she saw herself and heard herself. The way that, you know, all of a sudden her outfit wasn't quite as outrageous. It was still, you know, over the top, but it was beautiful. And, you know, she only was wearing like. A string of pearls and lovely dangling earrings instead of like a strange head thing that also included like a peacock whose face was coming down in front of her. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> what like,
1: part was that? Remind me, because I
0: at the I very end, um, at the very end, as she's dying.
1: Are you talking about the? But it, she had wings on, right? It wasn't, yes, it wasn't at the all white. Uh-huh. Yes, it was
0: sort of like this is sort of the angelic version of her, and, and she's what,
1: singing. And when I've sung my songs to you, yes, I'll sing, I'll no, sing more.
0: no more. Yes. And I feel like that was meant to And I could be wrong, obviously But it seemed to be meant to me as, as sort of a mirror of how she imagined herself to be Or how she is now Having gone to the other side Like yeah. this, this idea of being able to sort of Become one with with what was imagined Or what was hoped for mm-hmm. And I like But what I didn't like was that whoever they got to... I shouldn't say this, but I feel like whoever sang that, I was like, really? This is what we got? I don't know. I just... I don't know. What did Whoever you, sang what? Whoever sang that, that last piece where the voice was much more fluid. It was, it, was, it was a classically trained voice, but it was not an opera singer. Do you know what I mean?
1: Oh, I think it was Meryl Streep. Oh. I'm th- quite certain it was Meryl Streep. I don't think so. I think so, because to me it sounded like the same voice only without the flaws. And of course, that song is more of an art song. It's not a coloratura aria, and sure, so it doesn't sure. have the high notes. That's
0: another thing. Why did she always want to sing the coloratura?
1: Because they're fun.
0: Oh, I guess so. That's true. <laughs> I can't do it. Um,
1: yeah, I listened to, actually, Do you really Was it
0: really Meryl Streep? I'm going to have to look that up. Because I think
1: so. You should look it up. I should but I, up. I, I definitely got the impression when she started singing. I was like, this is Meryl Streep doing her best classical voice. And, and it was lovely, it was even, and it was it was supported. It was, um, you know, it wasn't, um, I don't know, I don't know what you would want to say. It wasn't maybe as developed as some trained voices become in terms of the resonance and the support and sort of the breadth of the voice. But I thought it was lovely, and I, and I did get the impression that it was Ms. Streep. Um, just doing, doing like a regular, like yeah, like a heavenly voice. Like this is, you know, when when uh, Florence Foster Jenkins dies and goes to heaven and no longer is suffering with syphilis and being treated with toxic chemicals. Mm-hmm. This is what her voice sounds like. Yeah, it was very much sort of that, the exalted voice of Florence Foster Jenkins. And of course, it was it was beautiful because it was almost like in that moment when she was crossing over, the day before. I went to see it in the theater. Uh, I listened to some Florence Foster Jenkins on YouTube just to remind myself. and the first one that the first recording that I came across was Adele's laughing song, which she also does in the movie <laughs>
0: uh-huh.
1: um, and you know it was actually very only very slightly affected. it was it was actually quite straightforward.
0: yeah, for sure she has
1: a, she has a tone similar to what other recordings of that age sound like. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um and so yeah, there were times when it was just sort of like she kinda did this little like laughing thing where she kind of didn't really sing it, but she <laughs> she kind of squirreled around it, you know, like she does. <clears throat> but uh on another note, I loved the singer that they had for it was uh Lily Pond's at the beginning.
0: Oh, but that was actually Lily Pond's recording. That that girl, yeah, that that was Lily Pond's singing. No. Yeah, that was the recording of Lily Pons. And it was just a
1: lip syncer? Yeah, she
0: lip synced, which man, I would not have wanted that job. Oy.
1: I have never heard such a such a recording of Lily Pons. It was such such good quality. It was I guess beautiful. they probably
0: Yeah, I I watched the credits at the end. I'm pretty sure. But then again, I I I could be wrong. I've been wrong. Apparently I was wrong about Meryl Streep singing when I have sung my songs too, because it is her. Ha. So I'm a horrible person, and I I just told Meryl <laughs> Street that she can't release. Really oh,
1: oh, what's wrong with me? Oh my
0: gosh! <laughs> I thought I thought that you know, I'm. It's a good thing this isn't video because my face is all red. Um,
1: <laughs> well, it sounded like the same voice to me. It just sounded like it a did more sound like it, grounded, but I thought that they just did the Disney person.
0: thing where they like find someone who's similar. But I guess not. I guess it was her. So good for her for singing that. Because it was. It was lovely. It was a lovely, lovely song, lovely sound. Well,
1: she did study with Estelle Liebling in her youth. In her youth.
0: Yes. I don't know who that is. I know I should know who that is.
1: So the reason I know who Estelle Liebling is, is because my first book of coloratura arias that I got when I was a teenager, when I was first studying... Was edited by a Selly and I think she added some cadenzas and some. She was sort of um, famous for creating coloratura cadenzas, you know, and and sort of alternate lines that you could do to add in more high notes or to make it more exciting.
0: Yes, I think I. And she was a teacher. I may have an unhealthy anger toward.
1: <laughs> toward, Go on
0: <laughs> toward, toward the optional extra high F's that exist in yeah. many a score that then become known and become preferred and then make it so that I, I don't get to sing those at all, actually. Yeah. Because... You
1: know, a perfect example of this is um, the end of Nome
0: yeah, that, that high E flat, right?
1: This is the most famous cadenza, mm-hmm. and it's the one that everyone wants to hear in an audition or in a performance situation. And it is not original; it is not Verdi.
0: Yeah, so screw that, you know. Anyway,
1: in fact, I don't know <laughs> if that was written by Estelle Liebling. We should look that up too.
0: It that might be have been. To know. Thanks, Estelle. Glad you could sing it. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, um, I I have nothing to be bitter about because you know what, it's just, you just, we have to accept what, who, and what we are, and I am not a coloratura, and that's just the the, the truth of the matter, like, when I sang, (laughs) so, um, I did, we haven't talked about this yet, I did the four last songs, right, on Sunday,
1: Yeah.
0: which are so fun, and once the first one's over with, it's like, whew, okay, (laughs) now.
1: I've never heard them called fun before, but I, I like
0: it. Oh my gosh, they are so oh it's so fun to sing those pieces for me i i just i i love it um probably because i i love things whose subject matter has to do with loss and death and things having to do with sort of like that gothic kind of longing and and like brooding quality um i love that uh-huh. So, but the first one, you know, is all about spring and spring is anything but brooding. You know, spring is all about flowers and, you know, light rainstorms and breezes and, and new buds, which means lots of flippy notes.
1: <laughs> so, uh-huh. Yeah, because um, you're like a bird.
0: Kind yeah, of. well, yeah, yeah. I'm more like the albatross than maybe the sparrow. <laughs> so it was... It was uh it was a it was a little more intense of a spring <laughs> than maybe some were yeah. prepared for. But
1: um At least you're not a raven or a vulture or Yes. Could be worse. That's
0: true. I don't eat dead things.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. Oh. Uh, but...
0: But yeah, it. Um, yeah. But it went really well, actually. But yeah, that's. I don't know. Color tour just made me think of that and how I've just sing that sustained high B that just sort of like comes out of nowhere. And incidentally, in the original recording with Kirsten Flagstad, she took it an octave down, oh. and I was like, "What the what? Flagstad can do that? Whoa!" But I didn't. I I, I sing it up, and it is what it is. She also was a little bit older when she. Did that recording so people mm. were saying that it just had to be that way so mm. <sighs> sigh
1: I think I still desire to sing coloratura well like I think I did when I was young but
0: I think that you can you know
1: yeah I definitely can yeah. it's just different it's a different negotiation
0: yeah, as you grow, for sure. I mean, when you're younger, I think, you know, just like with ev- in every other kind of musculature that exists in our bodies, when you're younger, you know, things, I think, stretch more easily and they can, you know, heal more easily. Uh, all of those things. And it's, it's also true for the voice. So, you know, keeping that flexibility and that sort of dexterity um, in the voice just, I think it just takes time and it takes a certain kind of concerted effort um, that's very focused and I think that you're doing that so that's why you can do it I I don't know if I ever really had the coloratura. I think I can sing it it just is never light and frilly you know so yeah. and I think that's why I don't sing it
1: what are, what are some coloratura arias that you've sung in the past?
0: I mean, like, I think of, um, Come Scoglio, you know, is probably the best example. There's a lot of coloratura in that. Yeah? Or no?
1: There is, but I wouldn't, I mean, Fiori Ligi is technically a dramatic coloratura. Yeah. Because she does have what I would call more fioritura. Yes. She doesn't really sing anything high and florid. It's more middle voice and florid. Yes. Um, with the exception of, in in uh in come when she does the little to the sea to the sea yeah um
0: but I love it I had a coach once that was like this is great show him you've got a C and then get off of it I was like perfect yeah just like you know as long as long as you touch it that's all that's all you need you just need to touch it I'm like okay I can I can do that
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. The setup, though, for that that particular line is a little unkind just because it's, yeah, anyway, it can get a little heavy in the second passaggio and then, anyway, oh, whatever. Yeah. (laughs) But I would say Fiori is not, like, when I think of the the rep that Florence Foster Jenkins sang, it was definitely more of a, like, lyric coloratura or even light lyric coloratura.
0: Well, and here's, here's the question that I have, like, I mean... As a coach, how do you say... I mean, clearly, you take the person's money and you say thank you very much, right? I, I mean, that's what sort of was in the film. But...
1: Um, <laughs> the but, guy who needed to go to Florida? Yeah. Couldn't plan his vacation till he knew when the concert was? Yeah,
0: exactly. Because I will be gone. Um, <laughs> exactly. I will yeah.
1: not associate my name with with hers. Exactly.
0: Uh, I guess my, my question is then... So, so you're a voice teacher and there are several voice teachers that this is, you know, this is the case, right? Where you have students that can't really sing but want to, and there is validity in that because self-expression is an important part of life.
1: Thanks.
0: Um and, but the question that I have is, don't you try and do the best with what you have? Wouldn't you give them something that maybe they could sing?
1: Yeah, I mean I would, but I think, you know, the danger that the trouble with young singers is that they really want to sing the hard stuff. They really want to challenge and they want to they want to sing arias, you know? And they want to sing the, the difficult arias. They want to see see what they can do. And I think to try to keep people in art songs and and teach a, a foundation of technique is a really tough pill to swallow for a lot of students of voice
0: absolutely i mean for sure but i guess i'm 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 mostly speaking about the people who are at the florence foster jenkins sort of level or and there i mean really at the end of the day there really aren't that many people who 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 do what what she did but um, But
1: you're talking about people who will likely never be paid to sing
0: yes exactly yeah people who are lovers of music people who want to be performing um something something fun um i mean isn't there a way to get them singing something that will sound good in their voice or at least Part of their voice. Like I mean, there's some things like I, I think Queen of the Night Aria is probably one of the best examples of um, <laughs> of the and maybe it's because it's so familiar to all of us, but best examples of the of the amazing acrobatics of her voice. Like Florence Foster Jenkins, man, when she sings that it's just like wow, what is that? Like what is it? I don't even know what that
1: is,
0: (laughs) you know, but like, you know, when I, when I've heard a couple other pieces, there are, there are a few measures where I'm like, oh, okay, that's, there's a voice, you know, for a second, and then it goes out again, you know, which really isn't too unlike all of us to some extent until you have a technique that's, you know, really solid. Um, But I wonder, I, I just wonder about this, like, how do you As a professional person, except I mean, honestly, this is one of the reasons why I stopped teaching. I stopped teaching several years ago because I felt like there were things that I wanted to be able to give to students that I knew that I couldn't because I didn't have my own tool set that was sharp enough and diverse enough to meet the demands of the variety of voices that were coming to me. Um, And I... I felt like I would be a liar if I started to and and obviously, you know, necessity brings all kinds of things. If you know, obviously, if you have to teach and you need to teach and it's you know this is what you're going to do for your livelihood, then you have to teach and you're going to do the best with what you have. But I guess I feel like there's there's some kind of responsibility, maybe, that as a teacher, you kind of have to that student to yeah. I don't know. Does that make
1: I sense? I I see what you're saying. I see where you're coming from. Absolutely. And I did my most the most of my teaching when I was in graduate school and I had a studio of about 15 students mm. um, that were that were coming regularly on a weekly basis. And I would just say that um, I think uh, students are come in all varieties and some of them have strong personalities. And things that they want to do, and they would just assume say that I sing this aria or that aria because they can actually phonate on all the pitches, even though, you know, it's not necessarily musical. It's not.
0: And man, and no I vocal feel line, it, right, and I, that's what I, mean? I think about. Like when I think of the word phonation, I'm <laughs> like, man, there's a pretty broad definition for what that. Yeah, means.
1: absolutely. Because Florence Foster Jenkins was phonating.
0: Was she? I, I don't know.
1: Well, I know that's, there's that funny line that uh, that McMoon says in the elevator. <laughs> Defies medical
0: science. He's actually talking about her subglottal pressure. I, they got a little
1: technical in they there. They did. They did
0: it a couple times. He was so well cast the McMoon character. He yeah, was. Right. I mean, those eyes said so much, you know. And it was just like, <laughs> how wide can I make these? They can right. get wider. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> cuz imagine what that would have been like oh my gosh to have been a fly on the wall in the in a in that room when that happened for the first time like oh, it would have been amazing just kind when of when she amazing. was singing and he was hearing yeah, her yeah and... that for the first time and like yeah
1: yeah i thought he did a great job yeah he
0: was he was really really well cast um and Hugh Grant did a great job i thought you know he he, did. he had you know, I mean, there, it, he he did his sort of rom com thing that he does. I feel like a lot of the time, the blinking. Um, I didn't notice any blinking. I, I just noticed like the the puppy dog sort of thing that he does with his leading ladies, um, mm-hmm. and I mean, but to be fair, that's you know largely sort of what the role kind of demanded, which is probably why he was in the role in the first place. But I. Yeah. I liked the idea, but I... uh, This was the part that made me think and made me think about sort of, you know, what happens to singers as we, you know, as we grow and as we are trying to determine what our... um, uh, our worth is, our marketability. um, When we're trying to determine those things as we are aging and that moment when he was talking about being an actor and realizing that he himself would never be, excuse me, that he himself would never be a great actor and, you know, that he was good and that he was a serviceable performer, but that he himself would never be um, great. And I thought about that and I was like, you know, I don't know... I don't know what what that served him. Does that make sense? Like maybe maybe that understanding that he came to was a real blessing. And and I think it is like when I think of my my dear friends who are singers who have decided to you know pursue um, something in the world of finance or um, or whatever, just gone on on various paths. Because they decided, you know, for a myriad of reasons But mostly because they just felt like there wasn't a place for them um, In the world of opera Like, what, what gets you to that point? And is it this, what seemed to be a very honest Sort of moment for that character of saying You know, for Sinclair saying I was never going to be in the top rung So I decided that you know, acting as this woman's husband was going to be enough for me.
1: I don't was know. that, was that how it played out? Cause I couldn't, I couldn't figure out if it was that he decided that. And then that's when he decided to marry her.
0: Oh, I think he played the part of her husband <coughs> for, <Yeah. coughs> excuse me, for 25 years.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wanted to say to go back to what you were saying earlier too because I really love this analogy of sort of each gig being a tree and then there being a forest and then that forest being part of the landscape of the world and like the overall picture you know what I mean and not hmm. and and sort of <clears throat> sometimes we we can't we can't see the the forest for the trees right totally. and we sort of look at our individual gigs and how many of us as singers, I know that I did this constantly when I was working locally as particularly, was just sort of taking for granted these opportunities that I had to sing with orchestra because the orchestra wasn't as good as I wanted them to be, <laughs>
0: yeah. you know, but there yeah. were
1: thousands of people in the audience who got to hear classical music and their lives were affected. And so this, there is sort of a big picture that I think we miss a lot of the time, um, and And who knows how much of that Florence Foster Jenkins actually understood or or mm-hmm. maybe she was just like you were saying, she was placed at that time, you know in in that way, with that money, with that spirit, with the syphilis, whatever, everything came together in order to to enliven and uplift the spirits of all those servicemen and other people who came to see her at Carnegie Hall.
0: Well, yeah, and that those recordings I love how they showed it in that one scene Where Sinclair gets really angry and he tries to take it away from them But here are these people who are listening to this recording And laughing their heads off And I mean, sure, you could be incensed by that and say like Oh, it's so insensitive Like this is a person who doesn't know that they're terrible So you shouldn't do this But it, But at the same time, it's like I really honestly feel like because everything that she did was with her whole self, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: there's nothing to be ashamed of. And so embrace the fact that this was fully, she was fully realizing and fully experiencing who she authentically was. And that to me is something to be celebrated and laughed because it's like, and Yes, and it's hilarious because, because it's so bad. Like, but it's also right. like, it's but it's amazing, like that she could do it.
1: Right on, on a certain level, you're always sort of expecting, you know, as a as a an audience member of of Hollywood films, you're sort of expecting this resolution and this happy ending and sort of this, you know, like when she got really nervous. I think it was in the first concert that she did at the the Ritz-Carlton, mm-hmm. um, but maybe it wasn't, maybe it was the Carnegie Hall, maybe it was both, but, um, you know, there's sort of this, this moment of doubt where the heroine is, like, not sure if she'll succeed, and then you're sort of expecting her to come out and and and, and, and prove to be the champion, you know, and, like, it, that never happened with this movie. There never was, I mean, yes, her spirit prevailed, But musically, like, she was always terrible. It never, it never, you know, she never came through on top.
0: And I guess that's sort of why, right. And I, and for me, I think that's why I love it so much. is Mm -hmm. because that isn't, that isn't it. That isn't all of it. That isn't what it's really about. Like, um, life
1: isn't always wrapped up in a pretty bow.
0: (laughs) Absolutely, the it's messy. Oh my gosh, it's life is messy and and life is more it it, it isn't the music, it's what the music was to her. It's mm. what it meant to her, it's what it um inspired her to create, like from creating the Verdi Club, um, you know, putting on these performances employing musicians at a time when there was no money, you know. Um mm-hmm. You know, keeping they 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 did a really nice job of showing how that relationship with Toscanini helped sustain. I mean, she essentially, I guess, paid for that concert that Lily Pons gave at Carnegie Hall.
1: Oh, I didn't know uh, that. Well, that's
0: that was sort of what was implied. I don't know if that was actually what happened, but I wouldn't be surprised because she was a musical fixture in the city at that time.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Right. Yeah, and Toscanini was coming to. To ask her for money. Yeah, and I love...
0: She's like, oh, but he he brought me a record.
1: <laughs> Isn't that
0: nice? You know?
1: Like, yeah. Oh, um, well, and she was moved to tears by Lily Ponce's singing. That's right.
0: That's right. And, I mean, the world could use more of the people that just love to sing and appreciate the beauty of others instead of the critics that sit there and say, well... You know that E flat really wasn't that great. If she just had a little more space on top, that would be lovely. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's it's
1: it's true. Everyone's kind of an expert, yeah, and that's why we end up taking ourselves so seriously is because yeah. we're under the microscope, yeah. All this critique all the time
0: mm-hmm. of ourselves and from others, and, and I think, and and that's yet again another reason why I love her so much is because. You know whether or not she knew that she you know was under the microscope she just did her thing and yeah i find that to be admirable
1: i think it's hard i mean i think that as as musicians um we're sensitive people and i think that especially as singers you know we're we're we face the public like we we don't look at scores when we sing generally we look out and and, um, and they look into our faces. And our faces are part of our instrument, <laughs> as it turns out. Yeah. Um, and I think that as a result, I can speak from my own personal experience, you sort of build a little bit of a shell to protect yourself because it is such a vulnerable position to be in, to totally. be singing, to be using your, inst- your own body as an instrument, and, and to be just facing the public. Without any sort of barrier. There's no music stand there, generally. There's no... It's not like with an instrumentalist where, you know, you're sort of in your own world with your instrument and then, you know, people just watch you from the side or whatever.
0: In an orchestra, for sure. Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, you're actually... Yeah. Um,
0: I think, yeah, as a solo artist.
1: Yeah, and I can see how... I can see how that shell could become somewhat impervious to, to criticism just as a, as a defense mechanism, you know, to, mm. to protect one's, one's soul, you know, because really when we're singing, even if we're not doing it that well, we're still bearing a large part of ourselves, our, sure. our inner selves, you know. People can see a lot about us when we get up to sing, and that's why it's so compelling, and that's why we love to see people sing it is because we learn so much about them, and, and the more – that's why when you say – she was so committed that's why you she, why you love to watch her is because she was just not self-conscious she just did it
0: I did it that's right
1: unapologetically, unapologetically. and that unapologetically. and that is something that's very compelling to watch and very inspiring i think because it's the way we we wish we could all be
0: i agree i totally agree i think that that's yeah i think that kind of sums it up is that you know this is this is the person this is a person who was not afraid to be fully who she was and maybe it was out of ignorance but maybe not and i think only only she really knows um yeah
1: or maybe it was the thing we talked about at the beginning with you know how would you live your life if you didn't know when you were gonna die if you could die at any time yeah Would you be self-conscious? Would you live your life from a a, a place of self-consciousness? I don't think so. I think it really, really puts the priorities straight.
0: Yeah. Would you live your life out of fear or would you live your life in faith? Yeah. Yeah. And just
1: taking, yeah, taking risks. Because what do you have to lose? You could die any moment. That's right. Well,
0: I think that that's sort of, the goal, right, of every... Probably one of my... The the favorite thing that I was told once by an acting teacher was the advice I was given was, Rachel, every time you get up to sing, you need to think of it as both the first and the last time you get to perform this. And I really liked that advice. And I've sometimes... Been able to do it um not always but when it's there that feeling of you know that's sort of the balancing act is that you're balancing something as new and fresh and also as um precious yeah precious that that will not be here and and it's that sort of give and take and that that sort of pull back and forth that that creates that inner life that is then visible and sort of experienced as a living, breathing thing for an audience member. Um, yeah, anytime, anytime you can be in it and be, you know, really in it, I think uh, it becomes something really kind of incredible for, for people and memorable. You know, it becomes something that, and, I, and I, honestly, I think that's one of the reasons why people fought to go. And wanted to see her perform it wasn't just to laugh at her it was because there was a compelling thing about the fact that you know the way that she just was yeah it, it was compelling and yeah. and and I think I mean and this is me like obviously projecting obviously um, but I think on the other side you know if she's in heaven I think that she's really proud of what she did
1: <laughs> like, yeah, she said, people can say that I couldn't sing. That's right. That but I can't sing, but they can't, they can't say, say that, that I, I didn't.
0: didn't sing. That's right. I love that. I'm like, you go, girl. That's right.
1: You know, just. <laughs> she did it. You
0: did it. You did. Yes.
1: You know, I think actually an analogy that came to mind with this lack of self consciousness and, and sort of wanting to be that way and, and admiring people who are that way is celebrities or yeah, people, I would say people in the public eye who, who carry extra weight and don't hate their bodies. (laughs) That's Mm. something that's, that's really hard for people, you know, but we all wish that we could be that way. You know, we all wish that we could love ourselves the way that we are. And yet we find ourselves, you know, hating the fact that we carry a few extra pounds. Mm. Um, Yeah, it's, It's interesting, but there are people who legitimately love their bodies just the way they are
0: (laughs) without feeling
1: like they need to, you know, be a certain size or, or look a certain way. Yeah. It's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. It is so important to, you know, to, to want, to want to look a certain way and feel a certain way because that's how you will be your best self. And not because that's how somebody else thinks that you'll be your best self. Right. It just, it can't come from an outside source because if it does like that'll, that'll, you know, you know, be a hamster on a wheel. It's, it's too, you know, not just because you're trying to lose the weight, but. you know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Like you've said to me before, if you're, if you're not enough with, without it, you'll never be enough with it.
0: Yeah, that's right. I really feel that way. That's yeah. That's a, It's the thing that's always stuck with me, for sure.
1: So, speaking of people who are completely committed and unapologetic in their performances, I have the distinct pleasure of seeing Ms. Joyce DiDonato twice this week, which I hope we'll have the chance to talk about. Yeah. Um, Tomorrow I'm going to a master class, and the following day I will get to see her in concert. So, I'm very excited to see what she has in store um, yay yep yep
0: that's it's, awesome
1: yeah yeah and i will bring i will bring my full report
0: yes i would love it if we could talk with her that would be so cool
1: Ooh.
0: yeah she's great yes all right so that's our report then for florence foster jenkins um it was fun to chat it
1: was fun to chat yeah Okay, I'm gonna turn this off now. Okay, okay bye. Bye.